Welcome, my friends and acquaintances, and complete internet strangers and weirdos coming through on interdimensional frequencies to the very first edition of the Mental Pop Podcast. My name is Mad, and I'll be your host today. And for the handful of you out there who may have listened to my previous podcast entitled Conspiraporn, I'm starting things over with what is now known as Mental Pop. And what is Mental Pop, you might be asking with great anticipation and curious delight. Well, firstly, of course, this is going to be a weekly or a bi-weekly podcast, which runs the gamut of topics and discussion from world events to politics to conspiracies to entertainment and infotainment and news of the weird and bizarre, philosophical quandaries and some dives into history and science and really wherever I uh, want to feel like talking about that week, uh, whatever I'm so inspired and inclined to speak out on any given week or whatever might be recommended by listeners of this show. And for those of you out there who might stumble upon this little podcast, I hope you find it a happy accident, and I'll try not to make a complete fool of myself. Likewise, this show is typically going to run about 45 minutes to an hour. I'm attempting to reinvent things here a little bit with Mental Pop, as uh, while I was motivated with the content and format of the Conspiraporn podcast, I completely admit that sometimes the episodes ran really long. Uh, most recently, I did a COVID-19 special that ran two and a half hours And right before that was a four-part series which ran about six hours on the history of supernatural horror. And that's perfectly fine and good. Uh, But I completely understand that a lot of people aren't going to sound and listen to an unknown podcast uh, by a dude with very little social media presence uh, do a two-hour-long episode. Even if it was a pretty cool and interesting episode. And I do hope people will still go back and check out some of the previous episodes as we talked in length about black holes and ancient cave art and several other topics I find fascinating, interesting, and important. But mental pop will be a little bit more digestible and bite-sized. It'll be easier on me. It'll be easier on any potential listeners out there. On a little bit more of a personal and deeper note, let me start off by saying what mental pop means to me. Uh, It was an ideal that first struck my mind uh, a little over 20 years ago, when, uh, as a teenager, I began having intensely lucid and unbelievably vivid dreams as well as what I can only loosely state as, you know, astral travel and OBEs, not a body experiences, uh, that were tied to extreme occurrences of sleep paralysis. And along with all this came dozens of encounters with what some people might perceive as interdimensional entities or shadow people. And in my personal experience, none of them uh, were there for my benefit. Uh, they were all there to kind of feed off of my fear I honestly could dedicate the entire episode just to this and my own experiences over the past couple of decades, uh, which still occurs, but not as frequently as when I was younger. And what I can only describe as intense electrical static and popping and clicking noises, which were taking place in my brain during some of these sleep states. I came to find out that I wasn't the only one who had such uh, kind of experiences uh, or the bizarre buzz and clicking and popping in my brain during sleep. Uh, which can only be compared to extreme electrical static, and which some researchers have attributed to clicking the amygdala, or what might otherwise be expressed as the awakening of the pineal gland and opening of the third eye. And I know what some skeptics might think about all this, and in a whole lot of ways I'm still a skeptic too, because I try to have a psychological approach to all these experiences, not just float off into exaggerated phantasmagoria and self-important and deluded fantasies. Uh, But while I'll always question the truth behind these personal experiences, uh, whether it be truly interdimensional and otherworldly or merely psychological and all in my head, or maybe it's a little bit of both, the term mental pop 
was something that came to me at the early stages of these experiences to describe the intense clicking and popping that was taking place in my brain. <sighs> so, where do we go from here? Uh, I kind of see it like a light bulb going off above my head. Something new and inventive and going along with ideas and personal evolution and the evolution of consciousness. Kind of a vibrant awakening, even though it was taking place in the realms of slumber. So again, that's all I'm going to say about that. But I can honestly say, well, I still question the psychology behind the experiences. I stand by the fact that I've had dozens upon dozens of experiences such as these that I can still vividly remember in a progression of how it all evolved and transpired. And not just in sleep states, but also in waking life and synchronicities and patterns and messages uh, that stand out as being hyper real or more real than the majority of our humdrum everyday lives. You can't help but to wonder... What is our true reality? And again, I believe thousands or even millions of people have had similar experiences to some degree or another, and probably most surely have been going on uh, since the beginning of human history and stretching back tens of thousands of years. Uh, though, as with UFO abduction stories, I'm always skeptical, and I urge people to at least have one foot firm on the ground and realize that sometimes uh, our minds can indeed just be playing tricks on us and our perceptions uh, aren't what they might seem. It's easy to uh, feed our own psychosis when experiencing events we don't truly understand and which might seem of a uh, metaphysical or mystical nature. It's very much akin to what some would refer to as a kundalini experience, and sometimes such experiences have a way of frying some people's circuitry. I'm reminded of a Joseph Campbell quote which states, The psychotic drowns in the same waters in which the mystic swims with delight. There's another saying that's a there's a fine line between genius and insanity. And that being said, I'd love to hear from you if you can relate to any of these types of experiences and how they may have impacted your lives for better or worse. And again, that's all I'm going to say about that. Maybe we'll dig um, deeper into that on future episodes. But for now, that seems a fitting of introduction as any. So welcome to Mental Pop. And with that, I honestly am totally sick of Facebook and social media in general. And I know a lot of folks feel the same way, but it's impossible to deny, uh, to deny the potential to reach people out there and have some discussions. And that being said, I hope you'll check out Mental Pop 31 on Facebook, as well as our little private group at Conspiracult on Facebook. And I'll be giving out uh, some links for several other actual websites that I run at the end of today's episode, if you really want to dig a little deeper into the random chaos and help support these endeavors. And speaking of these endeavors... Uh, Mental Bob is also going to soon be a little zine that I'll be publishing every few months. And I've done zines uh, on and off for 20 years or more. And uh, I've been trying to get something new off the ground for a couple years now, but nothing really struck out and inspired me. Uh, but I believe that with the idea of Mental Pop, which is about variety and ideas and sharing ideas about any topic from a wide range of subjects, that the new zine will finally see the light of day and the dark of night in very early 2022. So please stay tuned for the new Mental Pop Zine, along with everything else. And if you'd like to contribute to anything, an article or art uh, for the new zine, or to the websites or this podcast, please hit me up. Uh, it's only going to be a black and white zine, about 20 pages uh, each edition, uh, but it'll run 300 copies per issue. And to me, that's a respectable start for an average dude who works a typical 40-hour uh, work week and uh, just trying to do something worthwhile and informative and productive and creative with his time. <clears throat> Did I mention the zine will also be free? 
Yes, it will also be free. And I'm working on a couple dozen uh, places to distribute it once it's ready. I'm also going to get yet another website going for Mental Pop here very soon. Uh, so there's a lot of very interesting stuff on the near horizon. If society as we know it doesn't collapse before then. What I'm trying to say, if you got any ideas or music or art or articles or interviews or essays or anything you think would be cool to be featured on this podcast or the social media pages or the websites, please send them my way. I'll do my best to feature all that stuff and give full credit uh, to all those contributors if they would like the recognition. And this isn't a paying endeavor at the moment, uh, but keep in mind I'm also um, not trying to make money off of this podcast or the websites or the zine either. This is just a free thought and free speech experiment of creative discussion and an entrepreneurship of ideas and artistic expression. But anyway, not to get off topic, and we'll talk more about all of this in future episodes to be sure. Uh, but I just wanted to give a little introduction to the newly revamped and reinvented Mental Pop Podcast. And to let anyone who might be listening across time and space, uh, let them know that I'm open to suggestions, thoughts, ideas, and constructive criticism. Starry, starry night. Paint your palette blue and gray. Look out on a summer's day. With eyes that know the darkness in my soul. Okay, where to begin? Uh, well, it seems fitting to mention something very cool that I experienced yesterday, and that was the beautiful Loom exhibit at Newfields, uh, the Indianapolis Museum of Art, and that is a fully immersive and digital tribute to Vincent Van Gogh that's going on from now until May of 2022. Uh, the Indianapolis Art Museum is always uh, fun to go spend a couple hours in every year or two, but if you've never visited the Indianapolis Museum of Art, or if you haven't been in a few years, now is definitely the time to go experience the beautiful sensory explosion uh, going on right now and dedicated to the life and works of Vincent Van Gogh. The website reads, Step into a digital world of art, the loom, Indianapolis, and explore the combination of great art and cutting-edge technology at its finest with floor-to-ceiling projections of some of the most famous uh, pieces of art the world has ever known. Uh, a must-see cultural experience created by Australian-based Grande Experiences. The first-year show features the paintings of Vincent van Gogh, as well as featurettes inspired by the work of van Gogh. Nearly 150 state-of-the-art digital projectors transform two-dimensional paintings into a three-dimensional world that guests can explore while walking 30,000 square feet of immersive galleries. The Loom Indianapolis has 60 minutes of digital content that runs continuously and simultaneously in all the digital galleries. This is not a movie with a start and an end or something you would sit and watch from one viewpoint, but rather a constant loop of beauty that is designed to be a walking experience, uh, seeing the art up close and all around you. Guests should wander around the space, uh, taking in the experiences from every angle. We recommend grabbing a drink and snack from the Cafe Terrace 1888, uh, then returning to the galleries to enjoy the artwork dance around you. There's no time limit on your visit, and no matter when you enter the galleries, you'll be welcome to a world of digital art running continuously throughout the space. <clears throat> so if you're in Indianapolis, or even if you're not from Indianapolis, I definitely think it's worth the trip to check out the new Loom Van Gogh exhibit going on at Newfields right now. Uh, it's a very surreal and trippy and lovely tribute to the life and works of the troubled artist Vincent Van Gogh. If you enjoyed the film uh, Loving Vincent from 2017, then you'll be amazed by the full 360 visual and audio immersion 
that's taking place right now. And it's the uh, largest and most elaborate exhibit in IMA history. Uh, there are even a few times during the presentation where it talks about his mental illness uh, that I can't lie and say that a tear didn't come to my eye. And while you're there, uh, you'll also want to check out the new exhibit entitled Private Eye, uh, the Imagist Impulse in Chicago Art, which has hundreds of cool and unique pieces from the underground Chicago art scene of the 1960s through 1980s. And uh, the Private Eye exhibit is only there until uh, this December the 5th. Uh, so you'll want to get out there and check out some pretty cool stuff that's going on right now at the Art Museum. I never thought I'd say that. I've been going to Newfields uh, four or five times in the past four or five years. And I can honestly say this is the first time that something really exciting is going on there. And I hope that's a trend that extends well into the future. A lot of people weren't happy when the Indy Art Museum went uh, from free of charge to charging admission a few years ago. Uh, so it's nice to see that they're finally, they have a reason to start charging 20 to 25 bucks to get in. So yeah, uh, cool that there's finally something worth mentioning going on in Indianapolis again. Now, I'm not dissing Indianapolis, but if you're not a sports fan, sometimes Indianapolis can be kind of lame. I know there's still a lot of good local bands and venues out there, but you get a bit jaded when in the past 10 years, a dozen of your favorite local music venues have permanently closed down and a dozen of your favorite local bands have broken up. And this has nothing to do with COVID. It was going on long before 2020. No one would ever say Indy was a destination spot or a travel destination other than for conventions and sports and races. And it'll be very interesting to see how Indy rebuilds and expands in the coming years. It would be nice to be thought of as a music and art destination. And to end this segment with a quote from Mr. Van Gogh. I can't change the fact that my paintings don't sell. But the time will come when people will recognize that they are worth more than the value of the paints used in the picture. Okay, so what's been going on here in the past week? And I want to say again, uh, we're not going to overly focus on world events or politics or COVID on this show. Uh, it's 100% not politically affiliated, religiously affiliated, or otherwise trying to be a door-to-door salesman of consensus viewpoints. Nor will this show be politically correct or catered to any specific group or ideology. I'll try to present things with an open mind, uh, but that being said, keep in mind, uh, this is meant to be a creative outlet of expression for me. And I hope that opens up to other people as well. And some folks can at least relate and be encouraged to speak up and do more research and get more creative themselves. Uh, but this show is not political. Uh, it's not conspiratorial, though we will talk about politics and conspiracy. Uh, it's not aligned with any religious affiliation, and it's not trying to force anyone to think a certain way. It's merely an exercise of free speech and open-mindedness and the freedom to ask questions. Because if we can't ask questions, what can we really do? Uh, this is just coming from a dude with a 40-hour-a-week a job, a GED, and a whole lot of fucking things on his mind. Now, okay, again, uh, where were we? Uh, what's some of the interesting bits and pieces from the past week? One article which made the rounds on several mainstream news outlets this week uh, came with the title, U.S. COVID deaths now equal to that of the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. And, of course, this headline is meant to capitalize on fear and emotion and, of course, more than anything else, encourage people to go get vaccinated. Uh, because when we think of the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic, it goes down in history, almost alongside the Black Death and bubonic plague of the Middle Ages is what we associate with a mass viral outbreak, a uh, mass outbreak of disease that decimated huge portions of the population and left misery and sickness in its wake. Uh, so the article going around this week by various titles ultimately comes down to the 
supposed fact that the United States, now pushing towards 700,000 people who have died from COVID in 20 months, is about to sur surpass those who died from the Spanish flu in 1918. And of course, I'm absolutely uh, sympathetic to the number of 700,000 people. One way or another, whatever the case of death, uh, if it be directly from COVID or complications from COVID, or even just having COVID and dying of a heart attack and being counted as a COVID death, uh, you'd have to be a complete sociopath not to sympathize with 700,000 American deaths on some level and not just as an abstract number. However, I'm going to say something that's unpopular and something I've been saying for over a year now. COVID-19 does not compare at all to the Spanish flu for a number of reasons, at least when we look at the bigger picture. And first off, I can state that uh, in terms of Spanish flu, the United States, it got off really easy when compared to the rest of the world. Uh, the generally accepted U.S. death toll uh, due to Spanish flu was around 650,000, 675,000 people. And by comparison, it's generally believed that about 50 million people died globally from the 1918 Spanish flu outbreak. So for the U.S. to have uh, 650,000 deaths against 50 million deaths globally uh, seems rather proportionate. And the United States uh, getting off kind of easy by comparison to the rest of the global population. We also have to keep in mind that at the time, the planet is estimated to have had only about 1.5 billion people, and the United States had about 100 million people. By comparison, today in 2021, we have an estimated 8 billion people on the planet and about 350 million Americans. Uh, so uh, let's dissect a few things here. Uh, let's get into the minutiae. In 1918, we had 50 million global deaths from Spanish flu against a total population of 1.5 billion. In 2021, from COVID-19, we have a global estimated death toll of about 4.5 million against a global population of 8 billion. Uh, globally, in this regard, uh, against the mass increase of total population levels, COVID would have to kill like 100 plus times more people to equal the death toll of Spanish flu. Literally over 100 times more people. So I can't help but ask the question, how has COVID killed as many people as the Spanish flu in the United States, yet globally the death toll is about uh, 5% of what happened with the Spanish flu? The U.S. has a very disproportionate number of COVID deaths compared to the rest of the world. And in the United States, uh, Spanish flu is estimated to kill about 675,000 against a total population of about 100 million while COVID in 2021 has killed 675,000 against a total U.S. population of 350 million. Uh, so not to be without sympathy and compassion, but against total population numbers, we're looking at less than 1% fatality rate, however you want to look at it. Almost as many people voted libertarian in 2020 in the U.S. elections, over 3 million people, as have died globally in 2021 from COVID. And who gives a damn about those libertarians anyway? And again, I'm not trying to be callous here, but guess what, y'all? A person dies on this planet every second from something. An estimated 106 people die on this planet every minute, 6,392 per hour, uh, 100,053,424 per day, 4,479,000 per month, and 56,000,000 per year. A million people die annually of the flu on this planet. A million people die of suicide every year globally. Uh, Nine million people die of starvation every year. And 650,000 Americans die every year from heart disease. And we didn't even get into the cancer rates. And normally I don't touch this topic with a 10-foot bowl because it's only used to create political division. And I am both pro-choice and anti-abortion. 
I have thoughts and opinions both ways, but we need to consider that in 2019, almost 900,000 legal abortions were carried out in the United States. And we're looking at about 750,000 abortions in the U.S. on an annual basis, and that's just in the U.S. Uh, Yet a little over 4 million deaths from COVID, uh, supposedly, on the entire planet in a two-year period, and we're calling for the mass vaccination of 80% of the population, or they're no longer allowed to work or go to school or go to a concert or go out to eat. We need to get vaccinated. We're going to lose our jobs. For nearly two years now, the media and politicians have had COVID on the brain and wants to make sure that every single person is forced to hear about it or think about it and be fearful and anxious about it on a daily basis. Fear sells. And if you institute enough fear, it'll make the populace demand the chains of its own enslavement in the name of public safety. Please excuse me because I got a little sidetracked there, but the point I'm trying to make is this. If we believe that the Spanish flu death rates compared to COVID death rates, uh, if we compare them against the total population numbers, and at this point I'm growing increasingly skeptical of every stat and number and figure, because I see some charts out there saying that Spanish flu killed somewhere between 17 million and 100 million, and that's a big fucking gap. So they decided to settle on 50 million and split the difference. And they've had 100 years to figure out those stats. Never mind the varying differences of opinions of deaths during the Black Death uh, bubonic plague or the Inquisitions or the actual numbers of the Holocaust in World War II. But if we believe the most widely accepted stats of death tolls against total population numbers, while COVID is stated to have killed as many people as the Spanish flu against population numbers in the U.S. that are nearly four times larger now than they were in 1918, and Spanish flu killed 50 million people globally compared to 4.5 million from COVID in 2021. Somehow the U.S. amounts to almost 25% of all COVID deaths on the planet, despite the United States only having about 5% of the total population. And I'm not even really sure how that's possible. I'm not sure how deaths in the U.S. make up almost 25% of all global deaths from COVID, despite America only holding 5% of total population. And surely it's all Trump's fault, right? And we can and we should, and we must ask ourselves, and if we say 675,000 Americans died during Spanish flu in 1918, while 50 million people died globally, why then if 675,000 Americans died of COVID, when only 4.5 million have died globally of COVID in 2021? Why and how has there been this drastic change of death rates in the United States from Spanish flu compared to COVID? And I know uh, we're dealing with a lot of math here. And a lot of stats and math has never been my strong point, uh, which somehow to me only makes this all the more obvious. And here's what's obvious to me. Globally, the population compared to 1918 is stated to be about seven times larger. And the United States, the population level is four times larger than it was in 1918. And if nothing else, when contrasted with total population level, Spanish flu and COVID-19 are not comparable. Never mind the Black Death, which is stated to have killed about one-third of the population between 1347 to 1351, when the total population of the planet was only estimated to be about 400 million people on the entire planet. So the bubonic plague killed one-third of that. And it's amazing to think of all these stats and figures and sizes and scales and numbers and historical context, but in close, what I want to state is Spanish flu does not compute with COVID-19 in terms of how the population of the world has grown and developed in terms of total population in the past 100 years. 
And to those of you out there who understand where I'm coming from with this and are not just being reactionary and fearful and spreading this anxiety and demanding people take three doses of an experimental vaccine before they can have a job or go to a restaurant or see a movie, I commend you for using some logic and critical thinking because, unfortunately, it's something that is severely lacking these days as most people just accept whatever their preferred news outlet is spewing at them 24-7. And I want to state that doing true research... And truly thinking for yourself, uh, it doesn't mean being plugged into MSN or CNN or Fox News and just believing whatever the talking heads are endlessly trying to sell. A few other things from the past week uh, that are COVID-related. And of course they're COVID-related because COVID makes up about 60% of any damn given news feed anywhere you decide to look. Uh, but a few interesting things worth mentioning from the past week. Uh, about th- uh, 30,000 women have reported that after getting vaccinated, their menstrual cycles changed. And while the experts admit that they don't have enough data yet to say conclusively that everything is perfectly okay with this change in menstrual cycles, they're telling the women that they should fully expect things to return to normal in the next few months. And then they go on to have the audacity to say that, hey, maybe it's not getting vaccinated that affected the menstrual cycles of 30,000 women. Maybe it's just the stress of the world right now. Yeah, that's right. The experts are saying that, hey, maybe it's the stress that's causing a change in menstrual cycles and not this experimental vaccine you got just two weeks ago. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, to me, that seems extremely uh, condescending, a very condescending response by the so-called experts. That's one. uh, This is experimental and you are a test subject. So we don't really know why this affected your menstrual cycles, uh, but it's nothing to worry about. And it should go back to normal in two months, even though we don't have enough data to confirm that. And two, hey. Maybe it's not the vaccine, and it's just the stress of the world that has affected 30,000 women who just got vaccinated. And that's like telling a person with a peanut allergy whose lips got swollen that, hey, maybe it's not the peanuts, uh, but just a psychosomatic reaction to your internal depression that's causing your lips to start flapping in the wind. And these articles also also mention uh, that there's no link between sterility and vaccinations, and that pregnant women need to get vaccinated and that there uh, will be absolutely no ill effects to their children uh, if pregnant women get vaccinated, and that whatever side effects might come from vaccines will be far less than how COVID will negatively impact their health and the health of their child. And this is despite the fact that about 80% of the people uh, who contract COVID uh, have little to no symptoms, and thus the whole asymptomatic bullshit, which has been going on for two years, and uh, further allows them to push these masks and mandates and vaccines up our ass at every opportunity. And on the subject of children uh, with COVID, uh, Fauci and Biden and the FDA and the pharmaceutical industry, of course, are all stating that by the end of the year, vaccines will be available and recommended to every child under 12 years old. And this is despite the fact that children are by far the least at risk and that various other health experts are saying that due to the children's resiliency, COVID vaccines will have absolutely no positive impact or benefits on kids under 12 who are already the least at risk. And then there are all these vaccine pushers out there who'd want to jump on me and cuss me out and tell me to think of the children! Uh, but let me relay an interesting bit of news uh, that's come out in the past few days. 214 children under 12 are stated to have died from COVID in the past year in the United States. And sure, that's sad, and I feel sorry for the parents who lost their children to COVID or complications from COVID or whatever. But guess what? We had 214 deaths of kids under 12 in the past year due to COVID and 261 deaths of children under 12 just in Chicago who were murdered this year. There have been more deaths of kids under 12 by violence uh, just in Chicago this year 
than who have died of COVID across the entire United States. But hey, who cares? We're very scared and worried. And we need to give an experimental vaccine to millions of kids across the United States because of 214 deaths of children under 12. And we should say this again and again. Uh, vaccinated kids, they're going to be just as infectious as those who aren't vaccinated. The vaccinated and the unvaccinated are equally as infectious. And I know kids need to get vaccinated before they can go to school. But the argument here is that at least those vaccines have been proven and have been around for decades and not just some rushed Operation Warp Speed concoction where breakthrough cases are going up and up and up as report after report keeps recommending more and more booster shots to fight a virus that has, in 20 months, only infected 12% of the entire U.S. population and in which 80% don't even know they're sick or that they have it and they need to be tested to be told that they're even sick. And speaking of breakthrough infections... Uh, another big COVID story of the week uh, involves actor and comedian Chris Rock, who is fully vaccinated, and he's now sick with COVID. And what is Chris Rock still doing? He's urging people to get vaccinated. He himself is fully vaccinated, now sick with COVID, and still urging people to get vaccinated. Now, I guess his mentality is that without the vaccine, uh, he'd be much, much sicker, even though quite possibly the vaccine is why he's sick in the first place. Uh, but he's just one of dozens and dozens of breakthrough cases which have been reported in the past couple months involving celebrities and politicians and other well-known figures. Uh, fully vaccinated talk show host Wendy Williams is also in the hospital with COVID right now. Um, so imagine how many average Americans are having breakthrough infections that nobody wants to cover on the news. And guess what? Back in May, the CDC decided to stop counting breakthrough infections unless they ended up in the hospital or dead. Yeah, that's right. The CDC is no longer counting breakthrough infections as positive COVID cases unless they end up in hospitalizations or deaths. And to me, that sounds a lot like sweeping something under the rug. Another recent story, and I'll be honest, uh, I haven't been following this uh, because I think uh, Nicki Minaj is a twit and her music is horrible. And I don't mean to offend you if you're a Nicki Minaj fan, but I, I haven't really paid attention to this because I just never, never pay attention to Nicki Minaj. Uh, but some story uh, about Nicki Minaj stating that her cousin or her cousin's friend got vaccinated and then his testicles uh, got swollen and he's sterile or something. Again, I haven't really paid attention to this one. Uh, but anyway, Twitter blew up with this. And the White House even reached out to talk to Nicki Minaj, try to get her to change her mind and to state that vaccinations uh, don't result in swollen testicles and sterility. And now, actress Rose McGowan. Uh, I'm also not a big fan of Rose McGowan, but I don't dislike her. Uh, but now, uh, Rose McGowan is coming to the defense of Nicki Minaj, but not just coming to the defense. She's also stating that there is a cult-like cabal of super-elite millionaires and billionaires who are making a whole lot of money off of everything that's going on with COVID right now. And I'll absolutely agree with her on that account. But here's the funny thing. Uh, Rose McGowan was one of the first and most vocal proponents of the uh, hashtag MeToo movement. And everybody was backing her and supporting her and standing beside her against Harvey Weinstein and all these wealthy Hollywood rapists. But now that she's speaking out against COVID and vaccines and exposing the wealthy elite who are becoming more and more wealthy from COVID, uh, she's being shut down and called crazy, and uninformed, and ignorant, and anti-science, etc., etc. And this is going to be the last thing I'm going to say about COVID in today's episode. 
In the U.S., thousands and thousands and thousands of nurses, healthcare workers, teachers, police, firefighters, and other respected figures are being laid off, suspended, or fired for refusing mandatory vaccinations. Or they are quitting their jobs. Thousands of frontline workers who have been dealing with COVID for 20 months now and who are quitting their jobs due to vaccine mandates. I myself have been working through the entire pandemic. I never got sick. I never had COVID. I never had quarantine. And I'll likely be faced with uh, quitting my job or getting fired when the vaccine mandate takes effect here anytime. Thousands and thousands of average Americans, even millions, who will be quitting their jobs when vaccines become mandatory uh, in a job market that is already having a very difficult time filling spots. Reports from small business owners who still have over 100 employees and will thus be forced to mandate vaccines uh, on, their, on their employees are saying that they expect one-third of their staff to quit when that happens uh, and that they're already having a hard enough time filling spots. A recent survey stated that as many as 50% of Americans will be quitting and looking for a new job within the year. And I can only see that as being directly related to having to deal with COVID for the past 20 months, uh, working during covid and now being forced into an experimental vaccine in order to go to work and make a living. And this is just what's happening in America. Now, you look at the rest of the world and people are protesting by the thousands and the millions against COVID restrictions, lockdowns, vaccine passports, and mandatory vaccines almost everywhere on the planet. And let me say, these are not Republicans or Trump supporters or people who are obsessed with Fox News. These are average citizens from around the globe, nurses, healthcare workers, teachers, law enforcement, hardworking people who are refusing to bow down and do what they're told uh, just because of a supposedly, quote, unquote, it's for their own safety. Tens of millions of people are protesting across the globe from all walks of life, but surely they're all just hillbilly Republican, anti-science, idiot Trump supporters, right? <sighs> and folks, I'm not. I'm not even anti-vax. Even though I haven't been vaccinated in 30 years, I'm not anti-vax. And if you want to get three doses a year and flu shots every year and whatever other shots you want to get, that's completely your decision. And that's up to you. Uh, But when you try to force the same regimen on other people, that's when I have a problem. And it's very ironic that the left is so adamant about my body, my choice, but now are forcing vaccines on people in order for them to hold a damn job. Likewise, while I highly question the stats and figures and supposed stats because there are just too many, uh, too many damn plot holes and questions to raise, I'm also I'm not denying that COVID is a real thing. I'm just trying to cut through the bullshit and cut through the division and cut through the false left-right paradigm of red versus blue and black versus white and vaccinated versus unvaccinated. But don't get me wrong. I'm not being political or an anti-vaxxer or anti-science or trying to be conspiratorial. I'm just trying to articulate and formulate uh, what I distinguish to be uh, critical information uh, that we need to talk about. Uh, Logic, reasoning, freedom of speech, the ability to ask questions and provide alternative information without being censored and banned and deleted. And if you haven't yet, I hope you'll check out the final episode of Conspiraporn from last week. Uh, It was nothing but two and a half hours of COVID stats and facts and information that raises a lot of questions about what the hell is really going on here? And hey, if you want to ban or block or delete, that is your freedom to do so. If you want to block me on social media and report these podcasts, that's your freedom of choice to do so. Because I've definitely blocked and deleted various people and topics, particularly over the past year and a half. Um, but I've banned and blocked and deleted because I'm sick of the division. 
and COVID fear-mongering or online cyberbullying and hatred everywhere you turn. I'm sick of mediocrity and lack of original thoughts. I'm sick of trolls who only want to stir division and hate and anger. And guess what? I'm angry as well. Uh, but I'm trying to find a middle path and balance of some experience and rational observations. Uh, we need to try to find the middle path of logic and reason and compassion. And I know we need the compassion, but ladies and gentlemen, i got to ask you something. Uh, why am I always standing in line behind a person buying multiple items split between cash and credit, and who are always trading in lottery tickets and buying new ones? I mean, seriously, how is it even possible to be behind somebody who acts like they don't even know where they are, and trying to buy three giant big gulps with a credit card, trade in 10 lottery tickets, and picking out 10 more lottery tickets as they count out a pocket full of nickels and dimes on the counter. How do I always get stuck behind those people? And why is either everyone always either wearing pajamas to the store or pants that allow they hoe ass crack to fall out? Maybe it's just where I live uh, that I'm experiencing these problems. Uh, but sometimes when I leave the house, I deeply regret having to leave the house. Maybe I'm a bit empathic, and being around dozens of people in a crowded grocery store just seeps into my pores and makes me want to scream and rip my face off. Anybody else uh, relate to me? Uh, anybody else feel that way when they go for a loaf of bread? I mean, I think, I, I think, I'd at least like to think and believe that I'm a compassionate humanitarian, but man, oh man, sometimes when I look around, I really fear for the future. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't so long ago that shelf after shelf after shelf was empty. You couldn't even buy kitty litter. People were stockpiling and hoarding kitty litter. Sometimes it seems like humanity are just locusts and consume all they see. And fear and insecurity can just work them up into a frenzy. Push them ever so slightly into one direction or the next. Look at all the riots last year. And I'm talking about last year, not the capital riots they want to keep milking. Uh, but all the footage from last year and the Floyd riots. And I'm not talking about the protests, because there were lots of peaceful protests. I'm talking about the straight-up riots and business owners being beaten and murdered in the middle of the street, police being assaulted all across the country, and a lot of police assault uh, going right back on the protesters and inciting violence uh, as well. And my point here is, uh, you build the pressure in just the right way, and you turn up the heat here and there, you move and nudge in just the right direction, and you can influence thousands or millions of people to give you all the reaction you want. And surely this is what social engineering and psychological operations is all about. And I'm trying to see the best in humanity, but it is hard. Hell, I'm trying to see the best in myself, and it's hard. I want to believe that the average person at their core is good. But you got to admit, things don't seem to be getting any better. Uh, we should be giving people the benefit of the doubt and live and let live and try not to judge. But it's just become more and more obvious that the majority are either obsessed with the fake left-right paradigm or are completely apathetic and oblivious or willfully ignorant to what's going on. And that's fine. That doesn't make them bad people. But humanity isn't doing a very good job at representing humanity right now. Half the people are walking around like they're in a daze, glued to their cell phones. They barely know what day it is or where they are. And God damn it, stop buying so many goddamn lottery tickets and holding up the line, because some of us have places we need to be. Why is it that the people in front of you are always so slow, and the people behind you always want to ride your ass and speed around you, and then we all end up at the same red light anyway? Question of the Week! 
Is humanity experiencing the Great Awakening? Is humanity slowly waking up or is it just a false awakening? Are we evolving and gaining consciousness or are we more asleep than ever? On hold due to being too plugged into technology and having too much media brainwashing. Uh, anybody else out there curious to see the new Matrix movie in December? Now, I'm hoping it's going to be cool, but if it turns out that there's a virus loose in the Matrix and it's just a PSA for telling everybody they need to get vaccinated from the Matrix, I'm going to be so pissed. But anyway, I'd like to hear from you out there. Is humanity experiencing a great awakening or are we more asleep than ever? I'd like to hear your opinions, thoughts, and viewpoints on that. Anyway, folks, I think that about does it for today's episode, which is the very first episode of Mental Pop. I hope you enjoyed it, and you'll tune into the next episode. Uh, we're going to have a very special guest uh, when I speak with Jennifer O'Connor, who runs the ever-entertaining, fun, and provocative Gold Political Memes page, and we'll be discussing her involvement with libertarianism and perhaps uh, perhaps what libertarianism will look like over the next couple of years. Um, of course, those 2024 elections will be here before you know it. And it'd be nice if uh, the Libertarians would go ahead and put their candidate out there now. Uh, since we already know Trump's probably running, um, or DeSantis, Trump's going to back DeSantis, or Trump's running, and we probably know that Biden's running again, or Kamala Harris, uh, or both again. Uh, so we already probably much know what the Democrats and Republicans are doing next year, uh, next election. It would be nice to know uh, what the Libertarians have up their sleeve as well. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that discussion with Jennifer O'Connor. Uh, next week and hope you'll tune in for that conversation and there will also be some other surprises as well i'm sure i mentioned my facebook pages of mental pop 31 i hope you'll check that out and our private group at conspiracult i hope you also check out www.conspiraporn.com and uh, my website for original art is at www.geneticmemory.online hundreds of pieces of my art is on there. If you want to help support this podcast and other adventures, uh, then please go check that out. Consider making a purchase of my original art. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at makeartnotmemes, which is mostly focused on my original art as well. I also have a little blog at primordialproductions.info. Uh, but I'll be honest, I'm having a hard time updating so many websites and pages, uh, not to mention uh, trying to do a podcast every week or two and get a new uh, zine off the ground. But I promise to increase my contributions and productivity. And we'll surely be talking more about all this stuff on future episodes. Uh, hit me up on those pages I just mentioned. Or my email is mad247 at weirdness.com. That's mad, the number's 247 at weirdness.com. Hope you'll stop by and say hello. Uh, so in any case, thanks for tuning in today across time and space. And until next time, peace profound.